Uh, good afternoon. Uh, my name is George Nawa, and um, I just want to share a word with somebody today. And I hope um, as we share the word of God together, somebody um, will be blessed by what the Lord has just impressed upon my heart. Um, so before we share the word of God, allow me to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your grace, we thank you for your mercy, and we thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord God Almighty, for the gift of life, and we thank you that you who declares the end from the beginning. Uh, you, you predestined us, O oh God, our Father, for greatness. We thank you, Lord God Almighty, that you've bestowed value in us. We thank you, Lord God Almighty, that nothing, O oh God, our Father, can steal that which you've planted in us. And I pray, Lord God Almighty, in the name of Jesus Christ, O oh God, our Father, I pray that I've been as we look into your word. Help us, O oh God, our Father, to understand your mind concerning us and to realize the value of what you've put in us. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I have prayed with a lot of thanksgiving in my heart. Amen. Amen. Uh, so, brethren, um, allow me to go in the passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 6, and we'll read from verse 25 to verse 34. And uh, we'll take a little bit of time just to understand the word of God together from and the, from verse 25 to verse 34, just to understand the context of what God is trying to communicate to us. So before I go into the word of God, I just want to share um, a few things about Bible interpretation so that as we look into the scripture, we do not violate the scripture or put our minds to it. So let me remind a few of us um, on the principles of Bible interpretation or hermeneutics. So I want us, as we look in the passage of Scripture, to exegete um, this portion of Scripture so that we derive the meaning of what God is trying to speak to us. Um, remember, one of the principles of um, Bible interpretation is called exegesis. And exegesis, which means uh, getting the real meaning of what the communicator is trying to communicate to us. So when we are studying the Bible or when we are reading the Word of God, we do not put our minds uh, or do not put our, or assign our own meaning to what God is trying to say. Rather, we derive meaning or we get meaning or we extract meaning from what God is trying to say to us. So as we look in the portion of scripture, it's always important that we understand what God is saying. Then after we understand the context of which what, of what God is trying to say, then we can rightly apply the word of God. Because many times in our time, uh, we find ourselves violating the scripture or misinterpreting the scripture in the sense that we like to put our own meaning to what the scriptures are saying. And that's why we hear words like, no, every one of us have our own understanding. This one understands this portion of scripture in a certain way. So let me give an example. So with the word of God, 
imagine I'm writing a letter to your family and I want your family to get one message. Now, if each and every member of your family only reads a certain portion in part of the letter that I've sent, each and every one of those who read only a portion will have their own meaning because they've only read a portion. But if you read the entire letter from the beginning to where it ends, most likely that everyone will get the same meaning, will get the same message because you will have understood the, where the scripture is coming from and where it's going. Amen. So when we understand, that's why context in understanding the word of God is very, very important so that we do not violate the scriptures or we do not violate the principles of the scriptures or we do not misapply the word of God for our own selfish gain. So remember when you only read a verse in the word of God and you do not read it in context, chances that you misunderstand or misquote that verse are very high because you've not fully understand understood uh, the the context of which that scripture is saying for example again that i may give is i hear many times other people who go to the scriptures because they want to drink alcohol they will look for a verse that talks about alcohol and then misapply that word because maybe let me give an example when paul was speaking to timothy and he said uh drink a little bit of wine when you have when you're having stomach pains so many people get that portion of scripture misapplied because they feel uh, since the word of the bible has only mentioned take a bit of wine then they say no the bible allows us for us to be doing so okay so okay that's the story of another day but i just wanted us to, to have perspective of what i'm trying to say so when you understand the scriptures or when you misapply in that manner, uh, for ex uh, like many people speak about taking alcohol because Paul allowed it. But remember the context in which Paul allowed Timothy was because Timothy was having a problem and they did not have a medicine that we have today. So they used to believe wine was being used for many things. It was used for, for healing, remember? Um, when you read, understand this portion of scripture, especially in the old times, they used to move with um, with uh, wine skins and they would move with wine. And remember those times they used to put on sandals. So when somebody, maybe they hit themselves on the stone or because of the heat as they move along, because most of the places they were moving were was like a desert full of heat. And so what was happening in that time was that when they hurt themselves, they would use wine to apply on the wounds so that the wounds can heal. So in the same context, Paul was advising Timothy to take a little bit of wine because he was having stomach problems. So now he was not prescribing that wine for everyone that every time you have a problem, a stomach problem, you have to take wine. We need to understand the times they were living in and, and what caused Paul to say what he said. Amen. Alright, so now let's get back now to our portion of scripture that we are looking at, which is Matthew chapter 6, from verse 25 to verse 34. 
So the Bible reads, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store in bands and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And by doing and, and, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself each day as its own, as enough trouble of its own. May God bless the reading of his word. So now, when we look at this portion of scripture that we have just read, God is trying to address the many basic things of our lives. Most of the things that we worry about, which is food, what we wear, where we're going to live, and how we survive. I think those are the basic needs of every man. And many times these are the things that preoccupy us most of the time. We worry, what are we going to eat? What am I going to wear? Where will I lay my head on? Okay? And of course many other things, but the major basic things of the human life is, are these, lies on these very things. So when we, when we understand, and when we look at ourselves carefully, we realize that most of our lives we spend so much time trying to pursue money, trying to pursue things so that we can live comfortably. And in the process of this time when we are trying to pursue, um, when we are trying to pursue the things that we need in life or the basic needs of life, we tend to forget our Creator. Now, God comes to us and now is telling us not to worry about these things. And in the portion of scripture, he even tells us why we should not worry. Because now, when we understand, um, for example, those of us who live in Zambia or in whichever country, in the country we have a constitution and we have the government. And now, in every country, every citizen is protected by the constitution or the human rights. And then now it becomes the responsibility of the government of the day to make sure that every citizen is well taken care of. So, meaning 
the government of the day must make sure that every citizen has access to the basic needs. They should have water, they should have food, they should be have, able to afford to have a place where to stay, and they should be able to afford to buy clothes and these basic things. Now, it becomes a responsibility of the government of the day to make sure that every citizen is able to access these things. And now, because we have the constitution, that constitution provides that and it gives the mandate to either the president or the leaders of the time to make sure that they provide these basics. Now, God is trying to remind us now and telling us to say that we must in the latter part of the scripture where he says but in verse 33 where he says but seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you so this reminds us that our responsibility when it comes to god is not that we are supposed to pursue things we must pursue the kingdom of god and when we pursue the kingdom of God, then the things that we need becomes God's responsibility to make sure that he provides for us. Now, when we go back now to verse 25, then he begins to explain to say, Therefore, I tell you not to worry about your life. So when he says do not worry about your life, we need to understand that he's saying that life in itself is very important. Because if you do not have life, clothes are useless, shoes are useless, money is useless. We need these things because there's still breath in us, there's still life. And then he says, we, we should not worry about life, what we will eat, what we will, um, what we will wear, then now, when he says we should not worry about this thing, excuse me, in verse 26, now he begins now to do like a comparison, where he begins to remind us to say that when you look at the bird, the bird doesn't go for work, the bird doesn't work like we do, but God cares so much about the bird that he makes sure that birds eat every day. Now he's even saying, are you not much valuable than the bread? So when you look at the bread now, he begins to compare now the things that he has created, I mean as like animals like birds, to a human life. And then now he says, are you not much more valuable? So when you want to understand the value, Brethren, we need to understand that we are very valuable to God. Our lives are very valuable to God. That's why God did not decide to live in an angel. He did not decide to live in, a, in, a, in an animal. But He chose you and I to be a dwelling place where you stay. That's why in the book of Romans it says, Our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Now imagine... The God of this, uh, uh, the, the God that we worship, the very God who created you and I, the very God who created the, the universe, the very God who created everything, the air, the water, and everything, as important as he is, he looked for any other place and he couldn't find a suitable place to live in but in you and in me. 
that should tell you how much more valuable we are to him. Then secondly, I would also want to remind us to say sometimes when you want to understand the value of a thing, you need to look at the price that is tagged to towards that item or that product. So, God, that's why when we are in sin and there was a price that was needed to be paid so that we could be ransomed from sin, he looked, he saw that no, no gold, no money, no silver was worth enough, was enough to purchase us. So it took his own life to buy us back to himself. So that now you and I, we must understand that we are value, our value is in the life of Jesus Christ that he gave up for us. So if I were to ask you how much more, how much your value is or how valuable are you you need to understand that you are worth the life of the son of god who came to die on the cross amen so now that's why now he's giving a comparison to say he did not die for an animal he did not die for birds he died for you and me and he paid the highest price so now, if he could give this highest price for you and I, then, and he's able to take care of the bread, he's able to close the riddles of the valley, he's able to close the grass, he's able to water the fields. He says, how much valuable are you? Look at the price that you are worth. So in other words, when you begin to worry about what you're going to eat, in other words, you are, what you're saying is that God cares more about birds than he cares about you. When you begin to question God how you're going to survive, when you are questioning that God values a bird more than he values you. So just like the bird doesn't have to wait, it is God's responsibility to make sure that every bird is able to eat, to be able to take care of its, its own uh, other birds and all that stuff. So now he reminds us, that our lives are much more valuable than that. And so now, how will he provide for us? For us now, he tells us now in the latter part of the scripture where he says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, we have to become citizens of the kingdom of God. And when we become the citizens of the kingdom of God, what it means is that our allegiance is like the same way ministers are sworn in, uh, in, in higher offices in the land. They, their allegiance, they are sworn in and they swear to protect the constitution, to live by the constitution and protect the constitution. And so they, they are not there to violate the constitution. They are not there to violate the laws of the land. They should be there to make sure that the laws of the land are protected. So meaning the supreme law is a constitution. So even us now, when we begin to focus on the kingdom of God, our constitution is the word of God. And our responsibility is to be uh, pledge our allegiance to protect the constitution, which is the word of God. And then now God says, since we are now citizens in this kingdom, and as we pursue the constitution, as we read, as we understand it, as we uh, protect the word of God, as we live by the word of God, 
God, it becomes God's responsibility to make sure that these basic things that we need are provided. Amen. These things are provided by our maker. And now some many of the times where we lose focus and our our we, we, we become moved by what we see because we are seeing other people they tend to have more things than you do and we begin to panic we want to have we tend to take things our own way that we neglect to uh, what we pledge our allegiance to we neglect uh, uh, we neglect to honor our God we neglect to uh, to look at God because we our our focus now becomes the things. Now, when you begin to pursue things rather than the kingdom of God, what happens is that you've neglected what God Himself has said. So then now that becomes your own responsibility to make sure that you feed yourself. Because if you cannot trust in the constitution, you cannot trust in what God has said. In other words, you are saying God has failed to provide for me, I'll do it my own way. So our responsibility is to make sure that we pursue the word of God. We pursue the kingdom of God. And as we pursue the kingdom of God, God begins to provide for us. That's why if you read in the scriptures, you realize that there were times when God told even his children to say, the battle does not belong to you, but victory belongs to you. The battle belongs to the Lord. Why? When you pursue the kingdom of God, meaning every challenge that you ever face, remember that when we were bought by the precious blood of the Lamb, we realize that we do not belong to ourselves. We do not belong to our mothers. We do not belong to our siblings. We do not belong to our parents. We belong to the one who purchased us. And now, since we belong to the one who bought us, we become his responsibility. We become his um, uh, property, if I were to say. Now, when we become his property, it's, it's now his responsibility to make sure that this property that is acquired is well maintained, is well looked after, is well provided for. So, other people would question to say, but why is it that sometimes I'm suffering? Why is it that sometimes my life is so hard? Why is it that sometimes I do not, I'm not able to see these things? Remember, there's a portion of scripture in the book, in the book of Hebrews where uh, the writer of Hebrews was talking about the will. Where he says, the will becomes effective when the person dies, the one who wrote the will. Now, when that person dies, what he leaves in the will is up to the one who remains as the beneficiary of the will to discover what his portion is in the will. And when, once you discover what your portion is, you begin to claim it. But if you do not know that there is a will that was left for you and know what your portion is, you can be dying in anger, yet you have so much resources available for you. And yet other people now, those who know, tend to live more comfortably than you. So many times there's certain things that we go through in life. Sometimes I would say sometimes it's because we just don't know what our portion is in the will of God and how to claim our will. So since the word of God, the Bible, if you know the will of God, the will of God is a scripture. And once you begin to understand your rights, <laughs> 
once you begin to understand what your portion is and begin to stand by what it belongs to you, you begin to claim it. Let me give an example again. We realize that in many countries where we live in, there are times when politicians come into power and they realize that the citizens do not understand their rights. What happens? They begin to abuse. They begin to take advantage. It's more like, for example, you're driving a car and you don't understand your rights on the way. You find a traffic officer and he stops you on the road and then now you could be right, but because you didn't know what your rights are, he stops you and demands money from you or threatens you. And because you are afraid of going to jail, what happens is you end up paying for things that you are not supposed to pay for. It's the same thing that the enemy does, that sometimes he understands what your portion is in the will of God. And now because we do not understand and how to claim it, he takes advantage of our ignorance of the word of God and then now make us stay in our poverty, makes us stay in our issues. Yet the answer is already provided for. Our maker has already provided. So our responsibility is now to understand what is it that God has said for us in his will and begin to claim it and begin to live by it. And when we begin to live by the word of God, we take God at his word. We take God at his word. Remind God what he has said. That's why you realize that when you look at, um, when you read Daniel chapter 3, about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because they knew who their God was, they were able to stand, to withstand the pressures even Nebuchadnezzar had said to them to say, anyone who does not worship my God will be thrown in the, in the furnace of fire. When you read Daniel chapter 3, you see the confidence they had. They rejected to worship foreign gods because they knew who their God was. They knew who they were in God. So they were able to challenge and they even said, we know our God, even if he does not help us, we will not bow down to foreign gods. See the confidence they had. And for sure when they were thrown in the furnace of fire, they were able to withstand the fire. When you read Daniel chapter 6, you realize when Daniel was accused wrongly, by his fellow leaders to the king and now he was even threatened to be pushed in the furnace i mean in the lion's den daniel did not begin to panic and begin to worry about what was going to happen because he knew who his god was he knew his position he knew his place in god he knew the value he had he, he, he did not start cursing them he did not start fighting them the bible tells us that he went to his room and he worshiped god that even when he was thrown in the in the lion's den, the Bible says he was not no he didn't even have a scratch. Such that even when these people came, they thought, ah, maybe these lions they don't have teeth or they are not hungry. The Bible says they they started throwing their wives and children. The Bible says even before they could reach down, they were eaten by the lions. But Daniel came out alive. The same book of Daniel now tells us that the people that know their God shall be mighty and shall do great exploits. So when you and I now understand the value that we have, when we understand our position, when we understand who we are, when we understand our value and begin to pursue the kingdom of God, we will see God come through for us in any situation. That's why, again, lastly, my conclusion, I'm reminded of Paul and Silas when they were wrongly imprisoned. 
And the Bible says that at midnight they began to praise God. Not complaining, not questioning God's character, not questioning if God is able to take them out, not complaining to say, God, look how we have served you faithfully, but here we are, we are wrongly put in cells because of you. But the Bible says instead they chose to worship God at midnight. Why were they worshiping God? Because they knew God and they remembered what God had done in their lives. They remembered how valuable they are in God. And they knew that God, if we worship him in the midst of the circumstance, if we pursue the kingdom of God in our circumstance, God has a weakness of worship that when we worship him, because he cannot worship himself, he comes down in the situation. Now, when he comes down in the situation, the situation becomes too small to contain God. And that's why we see when they were in prison, when God came through in their prison because they worshipped, the prisons could not hold and it had to break. Such that even those who were, who were imprisoned, they were also freed. <laughs> this is how powerful our God is. And this is how powerful it is to understand and know our value in God. So brethren, I just wanted to encourage us that sometimes we tend to go through challenges. And because we go through challenges in life, most of the time we begin to worry. When we, be, when we begin, sometimes maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you could be going through a life-threatening situation and you're worrying how are you going to make it out of that situation. You are worrying how are you going to survive from first of the day to the to month and because you don't have a job anymore how am i going to survive because there is a situation but god is now telling us to say worry not about that very thing because tomorrow oh, what about yourself if god can take care of a bread that doesn't work and that does not carry his presence how much more will he take care of you in your situation how much more will we come through for you in your situation and heal your situation and restore you? And this is a place that God wants us to reach us. I know that sometimes it's not easy to trust God when things are not okay. Sometimes it's not easy to trust God when circumstances seem to be going from worse to worse. Sometimes it's not easy because we want to ascribe our own thoughts to the circumstance. But God now is telling us to say, no, our ways never works. Our ways are always limited. Limited. Our thoughts are always limited. Our ideas are always limited. But he wants us to know that since he declares the end from the beginning, he knows how we are going to come out. And our responsibility is just to trust him and seek him to believe that in the midst of the situation, he will take care of us. In the midst of every circumstance, he will come through for you and I. So if you are going through any situation today, I just want to encourage you. That there is no situation beyond God. There is no circumstance that God cannot change. There is no, uh, 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 meaning, uh, there is no wound that God cannot heal. There is no broken heart that God cannot mend. There is no situation that God cannot change. He's, if He can form the world by the word of His mouth, how much more can He uh, can He do for you? So all he wants for you and I is now to learn that we must know our value and our place in him. Know that he's our father. Know that he's a good father who can take care of us. He's much more good than our earthly fathers. The Bible even says, if evil, if we men, 
if men evil men know how to give good gifts to their children how much more will our our heavenly father give us he says when you ask for bread he will not give you a stone when you ask for fish he will not give you a snake so when you seek after him he will come through for you so may the lord bless you as you we look into the situation again and believe god that he'll come through for you I believe that your situation will never be the same in the name of Jesus. So before I close, if there is anybody that is hearing this message and you don't have a relationship with our maker and you are not sure of your eternity, or probably because you were working with God and due to circumstances of life, you, you backslid, you have backslidden. I just want to encourage you. But in all these things that God has promised us, it all begins in our relationship with him. So I just want to encourage you that return to your God if you could be in that position. And if uh, 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 you are that person who is saying, brother, please pray for me. I want to pray with you. Kindly pray after me. Say, dear God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you that today I've heard your word. Your word says the day that you hear the gospel is the day of your salvation. Today I have heard the word. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and by hearing the word of God. Today I have heard your word and I pray heavenly father. I recognize and acknowledge that I have sinned against you. And I thank you that you shed your blood of Jesus Christ for me. You paid a price for me. Today I receive your forgiveness and I announce with my mouth as I have believed in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, that save me again. I come back to you, O God. I repent of my sins. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you, you your grace is sufficient for me. Forgive me, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. And now let me pray for you. Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for everyone that has prayed that prayer. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you cover each and every one of us with the precious blood of Jesus. Seal our salvation, O oh God. Father, we thank you that we are saved and we are your responsibility and we are your children. And I believe that as we pursue your kingdom and your word, Father, thank you that there is no circumstance that takes you by surprise. There is no situation that is bigger than you. And I thank you, Lord, Abba, Father, that may you come through for us in every situation. Heal us, O oh God. Touch us, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. Father, everyone who is going through heart outbreaks, who is going through financial challenges, touch such a person who is going through uh, 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 different circumstances or maybe wrongfully accused. I pray, Father, that you are our vindicator. May you come through, O oh God, Abba, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, O oh God. Show yourself mighty in the name of Jesus. And today, like David prayed, that let it be known that there is a God in Israel. Father, today, let it be known that the God that we serve is alive. In the name of Jesus Christ, we have prayed with a lot of thanksgiving in our hearts. We say, Amen and Amen. Shalom, shalom. May God bless you. Amen.